3: Let's roll. Level two. This is Sports Ridge. I am Gamble Ramsey. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people to the bust them, and everybody else in between, including Angelo Zara and uh, Big Card Julio. Although uh, we're going to get these guys out of here in a couple of minutes. Julio, I'll throw it to you here. MLS soccer and/or anything else, because I know you like to dig deep. And um, who knows what you're going to give us here right now? What else you got for us? <laughs> what about CFL? You're not betting the CFL? Uh, I, I, I I'm. Just that dipping
4: my toes a little bit. I'm sure I'll go hard, maybe week week five, week, week six. I'll just be tailing you, you Bobano, and the other guys uh in the uh, early.
3: Angelo's season. on to something. The BC Lions are going to win on Saturday night. You can put them in parlays. I think Winnipeg is going to win tomorrow night as well. But, uh, sorry, go on. What do you got for us? That's all good. Uh, Senegal, African Cup of Nations minus 106. St. Louis
4: City. Hey, this this club's been playing very well this year. I've cashed some uh, good money line dogs with them, so we'll go St. Louis City four to one against uh, Nashville. I'm going to dip my toes in the USL soccer. Uh, two of the worst teams in the Western Conference: Colorado Switchbacks and Las Vegas Lights. Over two and a half goals minus one thirty eight, and over two and a half goals. El Paso Locomotive and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. The Rowdies are a very good road team. Score a lot this season on the road. So we'll go uh, Tampa Bay,
3: El Paso, over two and a half, dude. Man, uh, let's, uh, like I said, Angel, you never know what he's going to come at us with, huh? <laughs> I love it. I love Tam- it. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rowdies. That's old school. Yeah, yeah. That's old school. North American Soccer League. The Montreal Manic. We're in that league. It's the Montreal much, much Manic, New York Cosmos. Who else? The Toronto Blizzard, the, uh, right? <laughs> Toronto, Toronto Blizzard, Vancouver Whitecaps. Whitecaps have been around a long time. Uh, good call, Angelo. Isn't that a better name than TFC? The Toronto Blizzard.
4: Hundred <laughs> percent. I agree. I wish they went with that name when they came in 2007 into MLS.
3: <laughs> Great name, the Toronto Blizzard. Who there was the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Um, the Tacoma Who was the Tacoma team called There was a team in Tacoma Fun league though Well whatever It was pretty much It was the original MLS Let's call it I know it's not really It is Because now it is again The, the USL etc But That was You know What the MLS is now The North American Soccer League With, with Pele And uh, And Beckenbauer And And all that With the Cosmos Alright Great stuff As always guys Always appreciate your time Man There's a lot of soccer going on I'm gonna wake up and just start clicking away here, like I said. And uh, follow me on Twitter. We got some good. I like where you're going with that Lance Stroll, bro. Canadians are on a roll right now, and um, Lance Stroll from Montreal finished in tenth place last year. Uh, Angelo and everybody. Mm-hmm. I think. Listen, top six is ambitious, but I think he can pull it off okay. and plus money. But I love the uh, I love the top ten uh, bet in parlays. Great stuff, guys. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Thank you, Gabe. Hey. Hey. Let's roll. International sports week continues. Last week, UFC 289 at Vancouver. This week, Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. We're kicking it. And We got the USA and Mexico, Canada and Panama, Canada and the USA throwing it down in Las Vegas, Nevada. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. Rob Vino's going to step up and in. It. I am Gabriel Moretti. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. So uh, we're live in Montreal right now. We really are kicking it um, late night anger management class style. Whatever. For me, it's all good time is just a number <laughs> time time is uh, just a number um but uh, as we've been saying um follow us on twitter at sports rage we're going to post a lot of um a lot of cool f1 videos and as far as our picks are concerned lewis hamilton's a seven-time winner in montreal he's finished on the podium twice um so far you can tell that the mercedes team is starting to turn the corner right now they get their car And they're starting to get into a little bit of a groove. Things are getting more competitive right now. And um, I think think Lewis Hamilton could have a big weekend this weekend. He loves the track. He loves the city. He loves everything about Montreal. If Lewis Hamilton was to, to actually win, he would pass Michael Schumacher for most wins ever in the Canadian Grand Prix with eight. He's won seven of them. Michael Schumacher, the great Schumacher, won seven of them as well. I think Verstappen's going to win the race, but I really I do think that um, I'm going to be all over uh, Team Mercedes this week. I think both their cards are going to be in, in the top six. So, we're, you know, the thing with Formula One, you got to put together a bunch of parlays and you got to get sort of creative and mix things up. But they give you a lot of options, and we're going to come up with the stuff. And uh, we're here, so we'll try to soak up any information and as much information as we possibly can. We're not here just to have a good time, we're here to also pick some wins to make the time even better. Rob Vino is going to step up and in a couple of minutes. All right, we're jam packed for the rest of the program. We got Rob Vino. Stepping up and in from uh, Philadelphia, PA. Of course, me and Rob love talking about the USFL. We'll talk CFL. Rob loves to bet on any football league. And he does a damn good job doing it. So, uh, Rob Vita will join us. We got Mike Malott going to step up and in. UFC Badass is coming off a big win uh, this past Saturday. The UFC sees big things for this kid uh, moving forward. Our boy Matthias has a new MMA podcast. Had an opportunity to speak to him earlier in the day. We'll hear that interview. My boy, Matt Ross, joins us from Montreal. Find out, are the Expos ever coming back, maybe? <laughs> no? Yes? Is there a chance? This is Sports Rage, Vent your rage, bring it. The Thursday night throwdown continues. This is Rage. I am Gabe Barazzi, SiriusXM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Let's send it to Philadelphia, PA, as we kick it in Montreal, Quebec, Canada uh, right now. The Canadian Grand Prix Formula One. Let's do this thing. Rob, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us on the Thursday night throwdown instead of Friday night. Hey, glad to be here, Gabe. Lots to talk about this weekend, just the same. <clears throat> Yeah, you know what? There is. Let's start off. You and I love talking about the USFL, and we're into the final week of regular season play, but the CFL has started, and I know you've jumped in. Uh, The first game of week two is in the books. The Calgary Stampeders went into um, the Canadian capital in Ottawa, beat the Red Blacks 26-15 tonight, you want a bad beat. I jumped in on the in-game, and uh, it was 42-and-a-half. And um, they're at 38 with about two and a half minutes left. But in the CFL, that's quite a lot of time, right? So they're, 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 the, the the Ottawa Red Blacks return the kickoff. They're down 26-15. All I need is two points to get over here, over my 42 and a half in-game. at plus money, too, it was like plus 120 or so. And get this, Rob, they return the kickoff to like the 50-yard line. Then... There's a face mask, and then there's a little fight after. And in the CFL, they just rack up all the penalties. So it's 30 yards. So basically, I needed a field goal, Rob, two and a half minutes left. I get placed on the other team's 20-yard line. They're down 11. They need to kick three or score a touchdown. All I got to do is just get a field goal out of this. What's the kid do? He throws an interception on first down, first snap for the 20-yard line. <laughs> Can't make that up, bro. Nah.
6: It was brutal, Gabe. I mean, even if you go back to the driver, Ottawa kicked their field goal. They had a shot at a touchdown. It looked like the kid in the corner was open, but defender made a nice play. And then you go back the other way, and you have a shot at seven, and you only get three. And then, like, oh, the and Calgary back. leaves
3: it on the field. Oh, it was just it was uh, a nightmare. <laughs>
6: yeah, but, you know, it's a tough, tough break with that when you had, like, four chances to get that thing over the total. And, you know, the Ottawa quarterback situation is not good right now. They hung in there. You know, the plus seven um, was in jeopardy, certainly, all the way until the end. Calgary looked a little bit better here against lesser competition than they did last week. But, um, yeah, for Ottawa, you know, the quarterback situation, Arbuckle bad. Once again, no touchdowns, four picks on the season. So uh,
3: they're going to have to figure it out offensively right now. Until Masoli gets back, they have problems. And they're just – they're one of those teams. They're sort of – I don't know if they're the Cleveland Browns. They're worse than the Browns. They're kind of like they're 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 like the Lions it used to be. Like Ottawa will just find a way. Like you know what I mean, not to win, but then like not to cover. You'll be like, I can't believe they were covering all night, and then they didn't. That wasn't the case tonight. I did like Calgary. We were on Calgary. I didn't play the pregame total. I jumped in on a forty-two and a half in a hotel room, and I thought I was going to get it. We didn't. <laughs> it is what it is. But I actually liked the card this week in the CFL, uh, Rob. Yeah. And looking at uh, Friday night's game. Uh, we have the powerhouse of the CFL, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They did lose the championship game, but they've been a the model franchise for the last like three, four years. And, you know, they've always had a nasty defense. Their offense has kind of just done enough, and it's been good enough to dominate the CFL. Week one, their offense lit it up. Saskatchewan, yeah, they beat Edmonton last week. They shouldn't have. Edmonton got stuffed on the goal line, and Edmonton have lost like a million home games in a row now. I think this one could get out of hand tomorrow. I don't like, like, seven on the road, but you just saw it tonight. Um, you know, Calgary, get it done, so it'll be a little bit different in Saskatchewan and Ottawa. But I'm looking at this. I already have Winnipeg and money line parlays, but I think the Bombers are going to cover the number. This one, they're, they're big rivals too, Rob. Like, uh, the Bombers won't let up on them.
6: Yeah, and boy, they didn't let up last week, right? I mean, they got out 21 first quarter points, and... Um, certainly Caleros looks fantastic and Hamilton with all the new pieces obviously regarded as one of the better teams in the CFL this year but the new pieces didn't come together first half second half a little different story last week right I don't know if Winnipeg let off the gas or what the deal was but I'm with you Gabe I mean it's hard to make the case and I get you know we bet a lot of different football leagues right and I always understand that you know, the difference between week one and week two sometimes is significant. It kind of made me hesitate tonight trying to play the favorite against the underdog. I thought, well, maybe there'll be a little improvement in Ottawa here. There really, really wasn't. Um, that being said, I can't find ways for Saskatchewan, especially with the injury at quarterback, um, to be able to hang with Winnipeg, especially if Winnipeg front runs. If they front run, they'll probably win that game rather easily. I don't know that Saskatchewan has a comeback ability. And, and this is a, you know... Like another game we're going to talk about here, it's a major step up in class, right? I mean, you play Edmonton last week, and you talked about how they got stoned uh, first and goal on the two, couldn't get in in four cracks. Now you got to go play Winnipeg, and for Winnipeg, it's kind of a step down in class, so you got that working um, both ways. I don't know. I, I see Winnipeg. I looked at the total, Gabe, thinking that maybe Winnipeg can um, get the, get that game to get their own score to around 31-34, and if that's the case, it probably does make its way over 46-and-a-half or what's now 47. We'll see if I can uh, get to the window with it or
3: not, but I do like the Bombers. Yeah, you know what? A 41-14 game wouldn't surprise me, actually. I know people in Saskatchewan don't want to hear that, uh, but Winnipeg are that good. And the CFL guys, too, there's only nine teams in the league. So there's certain there's certain little mini rivalries and stuff in which it's very college like. Like they will beat the crap out of each other if they can because they know it makes their fan base happy. They know their fans are betting on the games. <laughs> like so, it's it's one of these deals. It's a very gate driven league. So it's like, hey, you know what? Let's win and score as many points as we can and try to get you know get people behind us here. Uh, but Winnipeg have a solid foundation. Um, just on offense, defense, just a great organization, great coaching staff. And Zach Calero's former Cincinnati Bearcat quarterback's just been killing it in the CFL, having a great career. Rob Vino, always kills it, wagertalk.com, kicking it with us. I am Gabriel Moranci So speaking of uh, Saturday night's game, I'll tell you what, the BC Lions, this is a good football team. We saw it last week against Calgary. They looked like they were in midseason form. Vernon Adams um, under center now. Nate Rourke, of course, uh, lit up the CFL last year, but he did so well. The Jacksonville Jaguars signed him. So now Vernon Adams, if the name sounds familiar, of course, uh, played Eastern Washington, and he transferred to the Oregon Ducks. He's had issues in his CFL career and in his college career, actually, with turning the football over, right? He tries to do too much. He makes a big play, but then it backfires. But the BC Lions have a great coaching staff. We just saw them coach Nate Rourke into the NFL. They have great talent around him. And very precise offense they run. They mix it up nicely. They're a fun team to watch play football. This game's going to be on the CBS Sports Network on Saturday night. And I tell you what, they played last year in the BC Lions home opener, and you know I don't know it was like fifty-five, you know, three or something like that. We'll get you the exact score. I was actually at that, that game. Um, I would expect the same. I think BC are going to kick the crap out of them.
6: Yeah, you know, it was the first one I played this week game, B.C. The number was better then than it is now, but I still don't see any reason why you wouldn't tilt towards the B.C. way. Listen, that game last week for Edmonton, so he anticipated, right? Like you said, haven't won a home game in forever. Um, they get a matchup with Saskatchewan. And that thing was an absolute disappointment in every facet of the game, right? The offense only has 46 plays. Taylor Cornelius, the ex-Oklahoma State kid, looks lousy. They go two up thirteen on second down conversions over three yards. Couldn't even make better than three yards half the time. And to make matters worse, on the other side of the ball, they give up ten of eighteen on second down of seven or more. So in the trenches, it's probably a mismatch here. Vernon Adams came out of the shoot on fire last week against Calgary. So I think and you know, Robin, 70%, the last.
3: He only played one preseason game. They only played two. He played in the last preseason game. He went 12 for 12 in that preseason game. Like the, He's dialed in. He knows this offense.
6: Yeah, they, they they look good. I mean, I see the injury report where they may not have lucky whitehead. If they don't, they don't. I don't know that it matters. I will say this. The kid from Virginia, Mizell, looked pretty good as the new running back for them, both running and catching the football. So, um, I don't know. To me, BC, like you say, they're a great cup contender by all – Look so far and Edmonton, just in a Taylor Cornelius. You know what? He throws a 102-yard touchdown pass last week, right? And if you subtract that out, he only throws for I think 102 yards total, or 100 yards total. And that 102 touchdown pass was more the receiver Eugene Lewis than it was Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, so it was one play. Zone, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Crazy. And so I don't, I don't see much out of Edmonton right now. I would think that um, BC rules in that game.
3: Rob Vino kicking it with us. You got to love Rob Vino. Whatever the league it is, he knows what he's talking about. And he's picking winners. And we're going to do this thing. CFL football is going to carry us right into college football, NFL football. But we got USFL football, too. We'll hit the Ticats and the Argos on the other side. The late-night anger man for Cross continues. Bring it.
0: producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
5: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
3: First night throwdown, this is Sports Edge. I am Gabriel Marazzi, Sirius XM, Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be. We happen to be in Montreal uh, right now, throwing it down, the Canadian Grand Prix, Formula 1. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Ridge. We're going to post all kinds of cool videos starting tomorrow of uh, cars and the scene and the party and everything. We're going to be on uh, We'll be on a TV show, and uh, we'll have all, all kinds of cool coverage uh, for you. Rob Vino kicking with us uh, right now. We're talking football. Uh, Rob, the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Toronto Argonauts literally like the oldest rivalry in north american sports like these guys kick it old school <laughs> like the the toronto Argonauts are the oldest um oldest sports franchise in north america and one of the oldest in the world actually so it's an old school rivalry the argos didn't play in a cork last week it was a 19 somebody had to have a bye week they are the defending champions they're loaded the argos always like those big time you know skill position player guys they have uh, uh, mcleod thompson's out at quarterback chad kelly is in uh, jim kelly's nephew and the kid's got a ton of talent. He had personal issues in the past and demons that he had to battle. He's defeated these demons enough that the Argos said, you know what, we're going to give you the keys to the franchise here. You're going to be our quarterback. And he, he's a dual-threat quarterback. That's how they won a great cup last year, with with his legs as well. And, you know, he really does have a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to get back to the NFL. Right? He was in Denver. He, he is unfinished business, and he sees what Nate Rourke just did. If you do really well and you kill the CFL, you can get signed in Football League as a quarterback, as Nate Rourke just proved. Really intrigued to see how the Argonauts open up their season against this Tycat team with a game under their belt and Bo Levi Mitchell, who lit it up in the second half.
6: Yeah, you wonder if the week off, the bye week for Toronto is helpful because they got to see some film on Hamilton ahead of time or if it's, you know, the, the Hamilton has the game under their belt, so to speak, and they come out. I mean, that second half was really good out of them, right? 27-13 win for Hamilton in the second half over Winnipeg. Again, we don't know if Winnipeg let off the gas a little bit because that's such a huge halftime lead 30, uh, 29 to four. Then it was like thirty two to four or something in that game. Uh, I'd like to be on Toronto here, Gabe. To tell you the truth, I mean I've always liked Kelly. Always thought he was a really good quarterback. And if everything is right with him and he's you know got the system down, then Toronto could be pretty well off offensively. I just don't know if I trust you know my my, my guesswork enough to go ahead and play Toronto here at home because I do think you know a lot of people believe Hamilton and rightfully so. He's going to contend for this thing in the end, and I have to believe Bo Levi Mitchell off the rough start first half probably does a little better this week. So it's probably the most entertaining game of the week for sure, the most evenly matched of good teams, and um, maybe that's one for in-game. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten to any, either side, either total or side yet, although I will say we love our overs, and maybe this one has the potential to get over the number.
3: Rob Vino kicked what I said, you know, I was just going to get to that, Rob. And I wanted to say, I said, you know, they beat them when I said about BC and Edmonton. Just to to solidify the numbers there. The last four times they played, BC 43, Edmonton 10. BC 59, Edmonton 15. BC 46, Edmonton 14. BC 31, Edmonton 14. So I guess you could say they're closing the gap. They we lost by 17 last time they played. Well, we're only laying seven this week. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what I'm saying just about BC. Like, they don't take the pedal off the metal. They've got a good thing going. they got a new owner now, Rob, and he's putting some money into this. They're signing players. They play in a beautiful city, in a beautiful stadium, a BC plays, first-class facility. They have LL Cool J performing the, the the opener. And it's sort of like college. Like, they they get it. Like, run the score up, make let, let everyone win their bets, have a good time, and they're going to want to come back again. And that's what they're doing. And it's funny because historically, Rob, you figure like the Ty Cats, like Steel City and the Argos, it used to be like under city, man. It used to just be like this slugfest battle. And you know, you look you look historically over the last couple of years, specifically last year, 34-20, 34-27, 37 uh 20. And then there was a a 28-8 game in bad weather, but they have played to the over and this Argonaut offense is built to score points, and we saw the Tycats can't stop anything either. I, I like the over of this game.
6: Yeah, it, to me, it looks like it could be a play here. Um, Gabe, hope Toronto comes out. And, you know, even if they're a little sluggish to begin with, maybe it still gets there. So um, I'm going to probably look that way as well.
3: All right, let's get to the USFL. Can't believe the season's over already, man. Like, man, that went by fast. Um, all right, so here we are. Every team is still in contention. Everybody's playing for something this week. So uh, let's let's go through it. Maulers and Generals. Have the Generals found something late here? They you know they were terrible. I don't know where that came from last week offensively, but here they are right now. Minus one sixty on the money line. Totals forty and a half. They lay three and a half to the Maulers. What's your take on this one?
6: Elimination game, right? Both of these games in the North are elimination games, and um, as far as this one is concerned, New Jersey and Pittsburgh, whoever does win, actually has a chance to win the division. So it's a big game. I think last week when we talked, we were wondering how New Jersey could have been favored over Philly in that game. And the only thing we could come up with is maybe because DeAndre Johnson's back at quarterback. And it turned out to be the reason why they won that contest. They looked like a different offense last week. He goes 17-22, 77% completions against Philly's defense. And they just outlasted him. Um, I think they ran the kickoff back to start the game and once. But I don't know that I trust them here laying more than a field goal, Gabe, honestly. I think Pittsburgh, um, that team is tough, and they're tough defensively. I know that statistically, you know, that New Jersey team is up there as well. But you watch Pittsburgh. They play the run well. They play the pass well. Um, I don't know if I could lay three and a half here, especially with so much on the line. So look a little bit towards Pittsburgh. Uh, The totals dropped. So obviously there's under money out there. Uh, I'm not so sure. You know, to me that's just too low of a total for me to get there. But I think I may end up on Pittsburgh plus three and a half.
3: The Birmingham Stallions. They, you know, they've been a class at the USFL. They won the championship last year. They've looked great once again this year. You know, they've they've had uh, there was a couple of bumps along the road. You know, we could argue how big is the game. I mean, they're going to play in Birmingham anyways, but you know they're going to want to end the season strong. And Memphis have been great to us, Rob. They, you know, they were a covering machine. They ran into to the wall last week against the Breakers. I kind of get the feeling that uh, the Stallions are going to want to end the season strong here and wrap up first place in style. What's your take on this one?
6: Yeah, I, I do believe that, you know, you can clinch the. Home field advantage, obviously, and we know that that means something to Birmingham more than any other team in this league. It means something to Birmingham to be at home because they get the fans to come watch them. However, I may end up a dog here. Anybody who saw that game, and I know you did, Dave, but the they, they win that game against Memphis earlier this year, 42-2, to and at midfield, Todd Haley had more than a little bit to say to Skip Holtz. You know how they run the microphones in the USO? You could hear. He goes, I I remember that. Every single thing he was saying. (laughs) He was not happy with Skip Holtz. And I know they've circled this game on the calendar and the fact that it's kind of life and death here. If you lose, you're gone um, if you're in Memphis. So I think they'll probably play him close. I get that Birmingham will likely still want to win. There's no reason not to play your guys since you can clinch the number one seed. But I just, you know, we don't talk about revenge matchups in USFL or XFL because it's kind of too young to talk about those, those leagues are too young. But I just remember that midfield scene and and I got to believe that Todd Haley's got a little something. He doesn't have the better team by any means, but they may be able to uh, gut it out here. They got drilled last week by New Orleans (laughs) They gave up 17 immediately and then the rain and thunder came and just a mess. So I think maybe they bounce back and play it closer this week.
3: Uh, breakers lay four to the Houston gamblers breakers have been a strange team at times they look like a great football team they were you know they, they stormed out of the gates early with former Argonaut quarterback we were talking about uh McLeod Bethel Thompson uh earlier uh, and then they just they look they seem to you they lost it he's a very inconsistent quarterback they're a tough team to handicap this is a desperate Houston gamblers team getting four points too what's your take on this one
6: Yeah, I think it remains the same as it was last week, Gabe, and it showed up in the second half of that game against Birmingham. Houston, I talk about, if you stop Mark Thompson from running the football, and in fact, Houston's kind of converted into a team, they talked about it a lot last week on the broadcast, that's trying to throw on early downs to open up some holes for this guy to run because teams are wise to it now defensively. Stop Thompson, and we'll let Kenji Bahar throw all he wants. He's a turnover machine. Uh, At quarterback, in fact, they had a crucial one last week and then Birmingham broke away in the second half. So in New Orleans, defensive front has been an absolute monster the last two, three weeks with pass pressure and even stopping the run. And we know offensively, they might have the best wide receiving court in that league. Um, New Orleans still has a shot to win that division. However, if they lose, they drop into what could be a three team tiebreaker. And I was going through the tiebreakers
3: this week. There's like six of them. So who knows who will win that tiebreaker until these – You're a better man than me. I started to, and we, we, I would have went over the playoff scenario again, but I already did it twice or three times on the show this week. And I started looking at the tiebreakers. I was like, you know what, I don't have time for this. I just got to pick winners. Like, I don't I – don't, like, I can't do this. It was, just, it was too much.
6: And you can't tell anyway. The results have to be in to know. But I think I'm going to lean New Orleans in that game because I just don't like Houston's one-sided offense.
3: Uh, I remember the XFL. We were adding up points at the end. Oh, if they yeah, give up this many right. and there's one like, <laughs> this, this I like the USFL this week because I was like, all right, everybody's playing for something. Everybody can still make the playoffs or like pretty much, you know, six of the eight teams can still screw themselves uh, or seven of the eight. Like you said, Birmingham are the only ones that are kind of like whatever happens is still okay. All right, we've got about a minute left here, Rob. Philadelphia Stars and the Michigan Panthers. This one's – this this is a big game, man. Like, you know, we're talking about either you can win a division or you're eliminated. The loser's eliminated point blank. Right.
6: Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt. I kind of lean Philadelphia here. I still think they're the better team. They can't run the football for whatever reason. But when push comes to shove, I trust Case Cook is in that receiving core to make a play. I trust the coaching staff a little more than I trust Mike Nolan on that Michigan sideline. And Michigan just goes south for long periods of time offensively. So I think Philly's probably got just enough offense to get it done here. I was a little surprised His line move Line has moved towards Michigan, but I won't get to that side. I'll probably be on the stars in that game.
3: I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, this is the one that caught my eye the most. I was like, you know what, you yeah, had a loss last week. I'll go back. Uh, they're, they're not going to let their season collapse like this. They made it to the championship game uh, last year. Rob Vino, always awesome stuff, Rob. We always appreciate your time. And, man, we're going to catch up with you uh, next week. Take Max Verstappen to win the Canadian Grand Prix. Everybody knows that, but take him to, you know, the the prop, Verstappen to win and to record the fastest lap plus one ten, and you'll thank me Sunday afternoon. Right, buddy. I'm writing it down as you tell me. (laughs) No, we're gonna do some videos and post some stuff out. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, my man. Always great stuff. Late night anger match for class continues. Bring it.
1: No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, races, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
7: It's a Thursday night throwdown. I'm Matthias Pavel. This is Sports Rage. Sirius XM Channel 159. Welcome back. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, and now introducing Mr. Canada himself, fighting out of the red corner, a mixed martial artist with a professional record of 10 wins, one loss, and one draw. He stands six feet, one inch tall, weighing in at 169 pounds, fighting out of Burlington, Ontario, Canada, proper Mike Mola. What's up, Mike? Welcome to Sports Rage Late Night. Yo, what's going on, buddy? Got me hyped as hell. I'm ready to go now. Hey, I'm ready to go, man. I was ready to go when you stepped into the Octagon this past Saturday, I gotta say. But first question for you is, have you pinched yourself? Did you wake up today knowing that you already won the fight? Or did you still think it was fight week, man? Oh, dude, yeah, I had a
4: couple of those this week where I wake up in the morning and just feel, like, anxious. Like, okay, today's the day. We gotta do this. We gotta do this. Like, be ready. And just those first initial thoughts of, like, okay, you know, still a little bit of that fight or flight in you. And then took me like a second where flashbacks from the fight kind of ran through my head. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm remembering the fight. Like, we fought already. The fight's over. We're done. We did this. But it like takes me like another ten seconds after like realizing that the fight already happens before my body like actually relaxes. It's like, hey, dude, no, you don't need to get into a fight today. You got this. Settle down. Just go back to sleep or enjoy your coffee in the morning. And and uh, yeah, it's a pretty great way to to wake up and realize you're like, oh, the, the hard work. I mean, because it's it's like months of preparing for that, right? Months you're building toward this, and and it still felt like it was there. And uh, to get to have a few days or a month of letting that go and just not thinking necessarily about the next one and getting to uh, enjoy the fruits of the hard work is, is extremely rewarding.
7: Well, that's the best part of the job, right? After you get that victory lap and and everybody loves you, you get to kind of take a couple of days off, think back to all the hard work that you put through, but the best part of that, that you probably get to go through is thinking about that walkout again, thinking about the ways that you won that fight, and then thinking about the celebration with your team afterwards, man. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me about how, how, how your team aspect is. Tell me about your walkout before the locker room, knowing that the Canadians were fighting Five and zero before you walked out. Did that add any more pressure for you going into this fight, knowing that man? If I win right now, we're going to go six and zero, and the hype train for Canada is back on board. Man, what, what was that like?
4: I mean, it certainly could have been pressure, right? I, I felt like I prepared mentally really well for that throughout camp. Like that's something I spent some time thinking about leading up to this fight, where I'm like, okay, there's six other, there's six other, or there's five other Canadians on the card, and three of them are your teammates. You're emotionally invested in these people. What happens if everyone loses and you're the last Canadian holding it down? Like, how does that feel walking out? Okay, you're the sixth Canadian fighting and everyone's won. All you have to do is all you have to do is, is tap it in for for you know the win. All you have to do is you're you're almost there. You just have to hold the fort down and, and not be the one to ruin the night, you know? Um, and everything in between. So you could have viewed that as pressure but at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful that I get to fight for the UFC for a living. Like, that's what I do. I don't have a job. I'm a 31-year-old man who unemployed and fist fights people three times a year for a living like dude you couldn't I wouldn't want to rewrite my life in any other way like I I love the life that I have so I'm like screw pressure man you get to do what you love every single day you get to fight a few times a year you get to make money doing it you get to travel the world with your your best friends and your coaches who are heavily invested in your well-being and your performance and making you better you're heavily invested in them it's just like a great relationship that I have with my coaches where they all know me very personally I'm not just like another guy that they have. They're three of the people I'm closest with in life. And, you know, with the day I decide to stop fighting, I know it won't affect our relationships in any way. Like, we're all really close. And on top of that, they're all experts in their fields. Like, I have a, you know, world-class Muay Thai coach who's who's a European and Romanian Muay Thai champion in the 90s and early 2000s and has trained tons of world champion kickboxers and other UFC fighters, and he's a UFC cut man himself. And my wrestling coach is a two-time alternate Olympian, you know, multiple time national champion and medalist in freestyle wrestling and then my jiu-jitsu coach is a world class black belt in jiu-jitsu, he won worlds at at brown belt, like the guys all they check the three main boxes of kind of striking, kickboxing, wrestling and jiu-jitsu and they're all experts at what they do and then my mental coach Danny Patterson is just an elite mental coach so I just have every box covered in the strongest way possible, they all believe in me they're all really close, so it just makes going through such a stressful week and camp and and sport and life so much more enjoyable you know like this there isn't anyone else win lose or draw that i would want on this journey with me and I, I really feel like so blessed to have those guys with me so it relieves a lot of the pressure of feeling like you need to win and then afterwards we get to celebrate together and it's like throw my my family and my fiance into the mix and and it's like who else would i rather celebrate a win with than the people i love more than anything
7: no that's the best parts of life man when people succeed in their life the first phone calls that they have are, are to their family members and to their loved ones to feel that emotion go through your body and it's special those are special moments that stand out to anybody it doesn't matter if you're a UFC fighter or if you're me or if you're if you're working at a school when you succeed and you get those accomplishments you want to share that with your family members and you want to see their emotional response to, to, to what you're actually telling them and what you're showing them and those are the greatest moments in life man and I love that you bring up your coaches because your coaches had you ready to go you know for this fight in every way possible you know some people say oh Mike had a really really easy time in there you know he finished a fight in the second round he had complete control I don't really see it like that, man. I see this as you had a hurdle to jump on the walkout. You know, you you had the yeah. whole walkout plan. I, I don't think, in your wildest imaginations, could you ever imagine your walkout in your country with everybody screaming, and all of a sudden, you having to have a lateral movement, you know, you're pretty much a wide receiver type of movement to sprint sprint down the field to avoid getting ran over by a falling barricade, man, with people falling over you. How crazy was that, and how hard was it to keep your focus after that? You didn't even turn around to see if, if they they were okay, which obviously you can't do that, man. You got to focus on what's in yeah. front of you. Adam freaking Fugit is ready to, to to destroy you and take away your shine. You had to stay focused, man, and, and you did the, exactly that. And even to throw more into that, you landed a huge snap kick to Fugit in the first 40 seconds of the fight where he clenched up and kind of retreated. How hard was it for you not to want to go finish the fight right there and actually stay composed and not do something stupid like many other fighters would do in that scenario?
4: That's something my striking coach Cruelin Helmajin said fight day. We had it we had a chat and he's like, Look, Mikey, you're gonna hurt this man. He's like, and when you do, he's like, I want you to take a second. I want you to analyze the situation. I want you I don't want you to rush in and feel like you need to put this man away immediately. If you hurt him once, you can hurt him again and you will hurt him once, you will hurt him again. So stay calm, stay composed and analyze the situation. Take a step back and pick at him and find your shot. Don't rush the shot because the most dangerous animal is a wounded animal and a cornered animal, right? So this guy is dangerous. He's finished eight of his nine wins, right? He's a a decorated Muay Thai champion, a lifelong wrestler, a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a guy who's competed professionally in Jiu-Jitsu. This man is good at everything in MMA. He's long. He has a four-inch reach on you. He's heavier than you. He used to fight at middleweight um he's a south by, He's long like there's a lot of things we need to watch for in this i you know we believe in my skills but don't rush it don't feel like i got him hurt this is the only time i you know i have to capitalize now and uh, I love that advice from my coaches. I love that advice from my corner. just gives me even more confidence in the people that I bring with me to these fights. Like, I have world-class coaches with me, down to those type details, right? Not just techniques, but tactical strategies, right? So, yeah, it, it, it can be overwhelming. You see guys do that all the time. They, they sting a guy, they hurt a guy, and they give it everything they've got for the finish and they gas or they go in too quickly and they get taken down or they get caught themselves and knocked out and it's like just damn if i if i hit only if i hit only if i had only that sentence keeps me up at night and gets me up early in the morning and makes me want to work hard i'm like that will not we will not be the guys on the bus right home talking about what should have could have happened we will, we will be the guys in the bus talking about where we're having dinner
7: you know? uh, Oh, well said, man. Well said, and you know what? That's yeah. always that little that little thing called fear that crawls up in the back of your mind, which makes you who you are today. If you want to stay on top of your game, if you want to stay 100, percent there's no rest for the wicked, like Gabriel morenzi says, man. We are talking to UFC welterweight Mike Malat, three and zero in the UFC, ten one and one overall. He just got that victory at UFC 289 in Vancouver, Canada. You could follow him on Twitter at Michael underscore Malat. The guy is a killer. There's no better way to say it. He is an absolute killer. Mike, going back to your fight at UFC 289, let's talk about what's happening with your record right now in four fights. You've only been hit 23 times. You've only absorbed 23 shots in four fights. I don't know about you, bro, but could you tell everybody what your cheat code is for the game? Because I don't know a lot of people that could actually do that. What's the cheat code? Please tell me, man. I want to beat this game too it's it's funny
4: man so a couple things on that number one i went up to 23 this time according to the compi strikes i was hit nine times in the fight which i cannot count all nine i think they're really grasping at straws for that he landed one right hook he landed one right hook when he was off balance i was off balance too i was on one leg throwing a kick and i recognized it i was like okay he's got a dangerous right hook be okay with it but that didn't hurt at all and you know and then i did remind myself like just because that one didn't hurt doesn't mean another one can't so stay disciplined um but um, funny thing we just realized, so my brother's a professional hockey player. Before I got signed to Contender Series, that same weekend he played his first NHL preseason game. So he played a game with the – a couple games with the, uh, with the Winnipeg Jets and scored a goal and got an assist, got second star of the game, kill, killed it, right? So first weekend he plays a preseason NHL game. That's two days later I fight on Contender Series and I get signed to the UFC. He's number 39, and I won my fight in 39 seconds, okay? Fast forward to today. I, at Weighins ins am brought to meet the Vancouver Canucks. A couple of the guys on the Vancouver Canucks, super nice guys, met their PR team. We chatted for a little bit, shake hands, how's camp, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, guys, well, I'm, I'm going to go get some, some food and start refueling. And they're like, oh, we've got a, a gift for you. And they got me a, a Canucks jersey. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Got the Canucks jersey custom. Name on the back says Malat, number 23 for 2023, right? I'm like, oh, that's wild, 2023. Then fast forward to how many times have I been hit in my UFC career? 23. Okay, both number 23. Then we circle it back to my brother. How many goals did he score this year and last year in his career? 23, man. Dude, what's going on? Wow. My wow. life simulation, wow. it's super weird. It's super weird. Like, if you wrote this stuff in a movie, it would be, like, way too corny. You're like, guys, settle it down. Yeah. That's not the kind of stuff that happens in life, right? It's like it keeps happening, and it keeps happening with my brother and I. And, you know, there was a bunch of other stuff leading up to that that, that, that kept happening. Like, we both got the call for the NHL and the UFC uh, a month apart, but at the same location. We were both up in Muskoka um, out on a boat. Both the same, both happens that way. And then there's like a couple other things, like the same weekend he got recruited to Cornell, I found out I was fighting in Bellator, which is another massive organization. Like things keep happening in pairs with us. So it's, it's pretty awesome, man. It's pretty great to get to go through, like living your dream as an athlete with your brother, who's also living his dream as an athlete.
7: No, that's fantastic. And that's fantastic to hear, man. And you know what? That sounds like God's plan. In my opinion, when you're doing yeah, things really? right and you're doing things the right way and not cheating and taking the shortcuts and just doing things the right way and actually just being a good man, God will send you signs. And in my opinion, this is a, a clear sign of him saying, don't change the way you're training. Don't change the way that you're living your life, Mr. Mike Mullot. Keep doing you. Your brother's going to keep doing you and you guys are going to keep succeeding in life, man. And that's fantastic. I got one last question for you because we're running out of time and we're getting pushed up against the fence. Who do you want to fight next because in my opinion you're one win away from a top 15 ranking in the welterweight division mike
4: yeah i completely agree i think there is one more fight one more win somebody probably ranked between you know 20 and 30 somewhere in there 20 and 35 25 and 40 somewhere in there right um to be perfectly honest man i have i'm going to be boring i have no call out right now as soon as i'm ready for a fight again i'll get on the horn i'll start calling people out i'll get online and i'll start calling names out but right now I've just had seven straight months of preparing for three competitions. I want to have zero opponent in mind. I want to have zero date in mind. I want to move into my new house with my fiance. I want to enjoy a little bit of the summer, and then I want to get back on that grind.
7: Well, there you have it, folks. Congratulations to UFC welterweight Mike Mallott. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Sports Rage late night tonight, man. It was a pleasure. Canada, stand up. Mike Mallott, thank you.
2: Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on,
1: No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh... says you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sports Grid Radio Network. (laughs)
3: off with Mike Mallard. Great job uh, by Matthias. And uh, Don't forget uh, we've got a new MMA podcast that's uh, rocking. Matthias is hosting a uh, weekly MMA podcast, racking up the guests. We've got so many guests, we're backlogged uh, right now. Sound like a real nice guy, uh, Mike, actually. I'd like to speak to him in the future. Uh, talk to him about how he got into this uh, stuff, who some of his influences uh, were from the old school uh, days but you could tell he was a proud uh, proud canadian in that octagon like they all were i told you going into that card if you remember and remember i said on the show i said you know it's not as nationalistic as it used to be you know what i mean like in the old days it was you know usa and when dan henderson beat michael bisping it was freaking lit man like <laughs> right but the canadians you know they hadn't had a card in a long time they stacked these cards with canadians all the time and the canadians don't want to lose right and you had that atmosphere as a great electric card hopefully um, hopefully the fact that they sold out Vancouver they they come back to Vancouver they go back to Vancouver and or you know Montreal is a great fight town but since GSP's retired they don't uh, they don't come to Montreal as much as they used to but a great interview sounds like a good guy. You know he's enthusiastic, right? Some of these dudes are beaten down and or like you know Josh Emmett last night was like yeah whatever <laughs> he can say what he wants. Right? <laughs> you know it was one of those I'm you know, I'm just I'm I'm gonna get paid I'm gonna fight and whatever's gonna is gonna happen, right? But I like the enthusiasm of the younger fighters. Good job, Matthias.
7: Yeah, hey Gabe, it was a fun time. You know, what? when uh, when the guy has his energy up and he's ready to talk, it just makes our job so much easier, man. It's a, It was a great interview because he was a great person to interview, man. I love that energy that he had, that charisma. He was the same guy he was when he talked uh, post-fight after he won. Nothing changed, man. He he brought the energy.
3: Yeah, hopefully they get him back in a cage sooner rather than later uh, because he does have a, have a good future. Um, all right, we're far from done. We're kicking it East Coast style in the late night hours. The Dodgers have come back and beaten the White Sox. We'll get into some Formula One and more on the other side. Jokic gets lit up today in Denver, but hey, who isn't? This is Portridge.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And